0: Hi, hi. So nice you're here. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you've been here many times and it's another episode of the Life Creation Podcast and today I'm thrilled to share a conversation with you I had with Sandra Mikkel. Sandra is a gut specialist (laughs) and we talk all about gut health. We talk about Four Pillars of Health. She talks about her upcoming book, The Gut Chronicles. Super excited about that. We talk about her new podcast. We talk about trends. Um, We talk about mushrooms, (laughs) the ones we buy at the store. (laughs) And um, yes, Sandra really has a big list of accreditations. Her passion really is to make putok talk salon chic and that's what we're talking about today. And she is really specializing in digestive disease and supporting people to feel blissful in their gut and we talk more about that. So. With no further ado, let's just jump over into the conversation I had with Sandra and be inspired, get ideas, and have fun. Well, Sandra, I'm really glad we made it. After postponing twice, we're here on air. Yay! Yay! I
1: know. Thank you for having me. And
0: we both have our voices. So yeah, that's it's a good awesome. start. Yes, exactly. That's already <laughs> a good start. Exactly. <laughs> so before we dive right into the super cool topic we're going to talk about, I have a couple of icebreaker questions for you because I'm curious. <laughs> so one of the thing is, um, what book is currently on your nightstand? Do you know what?
1: I just finished, well, it's no longer in my nightstand, the paper palace. I'm looking because I just put it behind me and lessons in chemistry will be the next one on my nightstand.
0: Wow. That sounds intense.
1: So no, I try. I was going to say, I really like, I'm going to say I'm I'm very cheesy. So in the evenings, I really like to read either like Funny, you know, comic novels or like romantic novels, and keep all the hard, let's say, philosophical stuff to the day. But I don't. I'll, I'll give you some feedback about lessons in chemistry. It's been a book that everyone's been raving about, so I have no idea what to expect.
0: I'm looking forward to hearing how how you find it, <laughs> and what is always in your fridge?
1: Mushrooms. <laughs> the the edge of the wall i was gonna say well you you know what i'm talking about you know mushrooms um yes they are a staple in our fridge um because of all the goodness that mushrooms bring um you know i'm not talking about magic mushrooms for those who are wondering so (laughs) keeping it you know uh pg rated no um mushrooms this is probably like one sort of food that you always find in my fridge
0: Okay. I think I'll have more questions throughout our conversation about mushroom. <laughs> I used to have a mushroom allergy. So I have a little bit, I don't have it anymore, but I have a little bit of a weird relationship to mushrooms. So I'm curious to hear your oh, thoughts more later on. Yes. And what is your favorite season?
1: I would say, do I have to pick one? No. <laughs> well, spring and summer, look, I grew up, in in warm weather so like you know whether it was just being in dubai so i was born in australia and just moving to dubai back in the 80s and 90s where i just grew up on the on the beach by the water and then even just moving back to australia I was always by some form of water so that's sort of my natural healing element um yeah so that i would say the warmth Mm -hmm. for sure
0: We're moving into the right direction.
1: I know. (laughs) You know, couldn't be fast enough, but hey, you know what? I am all for, how do you say, Mother Nature doing its thing and what it needs to do.
0: Totally. So your mission and your movement is to make Poutok chic. So I love that. So I'm (laughs) really, really excited to talk about that with you. And you have a book coming out in May, so almost in a month right?
1: Yes, we postponed. I think initially it was going to be launched in April, but as with all you know, people who have written books, it's there's always some sort of a delay, but now it's coming out on the 25th of May. Exciting. So it's
0: surreal. <laughs> <laughs> and in there, you are talking about um, a roadmap to Blissful Gut. And of course, we're not going to it's close the roadmap because people are gonna buy the book. <laughs> but um what is a blissful gut and how does that feel? And I'm sure it's individual, but I'm sure you also have a little bit of a description of it and can, can kind of get people kind of hungry for feeling blissful in their gut. <laughs> So I'm not sure if I'm setting myself
1: up for failure because actually people can go, hold on, can we actually have a blissful gut constantly? And the short answer is no, because at some point in time, we are going to get, you know, we're going to pick up a tummy bug and just end up with diarrhea. We're going to experience constipation. We might get some reflux or heartburn. So I would say, could we have this blissful gut consistently? No, but could we have a template that we are, you know, 80 or 90% of the time experiencing a blissful gut? Absolutely. Yes. And what does that mean? So to me, a blissful gut is when all the major players within your digestive tract are working in synchrony um, and in harmony without one of them being chronically faulty. Okay. So one way I like to look at it is what you know, what would be the signs that my gut is healthy, or what would be the signs that I'm, you know, on the path towards a blissful gut? One is not, you know, um, not having digestive issues that are chronic or that require constant medical attention. Mm-hmm. So, for example, people with inflammatory bowel disease, you know, this is a, an inflammatory condition uh, divided into, let's say, two different, you know, conditions there's ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. These are some serious gut conditions that will require lifelong medical management. Now, the other thing that I ask my clients to kind of think about is not experiencing chronic, uncomfortable and painful bloating. Now, we're all going to bloat. I don't want to demonize bloating because I think that there is this expectation of us walking around with washboard abs, not ever being bloated. And that's almost impossible because bloating is just, you know, in simple terms, a a physiological response to digestion. We all bloat. Now, it is problematic when it is accompanied by other symptoms. So, for example, if you're bloated and you started noticing a change in your bowel habits, so you've got diarrhea all of a sudden or constipation or a mix of both and or stomach pain. So this is what I would say that bloating would be problematic and has been going on for, let's say, more than three weeks long-term think about six months consistently um another sign that I would say you know if you are on the road to a blissful gut is having a satisfactory poo so what does that mean or having a good poo is basically when you're going to the bathroom I would say ideally every day at the same time and you're passing a sausage-like poo that is easy to evacuate without any straining and without any pain and As the saying goes, you know, about 70% of your immune system lies in your gut. And I know you probably want to ask or talk more, more about that, but when we get ill, it's not about, again, never getting sick, but it's how quickly you recover and how quickly you bounce back. So having a good recovery after an illness can actually be a sign that you've got a good gut. So these tend to be sort of the things that I like to discuss or talk about or kind of paint a picture because there's really no direct answer. There are certain signs and things that you need to look out for um, to judge whether you have a good gut or not.
0: Well, I love it because I think it really also takes a little bit of pressure out of, oh, my God, I'm bloated again. Well, it's okay, And or. I kind of, quote unquote, fell off my wagon. Well, there is no wagon to fall off on. And I have this roadmap to kind of be like, okay, I feel discomfort or I was ill, but now I have this roadmap to kind of go right back to it and have, and know kind of what to do.
1: Exactly. And the whole purpose of the book, or especially when I talk about this sort of like the I believe it's the last chapter. The roadmap to a blissful gut is helping people create their own template yes. based on four pillars, mm-hmm. um, and they are mind, movement, nutrition, and sleep. Now, regardless of why people come and see us, whether it's for a gut condition or whether it's for I don't know strength training, it's crucial that they address these four. I would say essential pillars to well being and essential pillars to gut health. Because if you think about it, if one is off, it's a domino effect. Yeah. The others are going to be impacted. So what I really try to do is I give tips basically, you know, that are um, condition dependent. In the books, we talk about the seven most common gut conditions um, and really look at these four pillars and how you can sort of, I'm not going to say it's like a self-help book, but create your own um, roadmap to address whatever, you know, life is going to throw at you and impact your gut and how to bounce back.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things you just mentioned is is like I think a lot of times still, a lot of people feel like well, gut health that has to do with food and what I eat, but there it's so much more. And you mentioned you know the mind and sleep and I think and 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 movement, of course. But I think there's so many different aspects to feeling well. And and um, what do you see? with your clients is that, is there one that people struggle more with than others, or is it also very individual? Extremely
1: individualized. Um, What we're noticing more, and the reason why I'm mentioning this is purely because of our experience throughout this pandemic and living through a pandemic as a mind pillar has become one of the biggest struggles that so many people are, are, are really trying to sort of address. Um, and the bigger problem at the moment is not finding the right support purely because of, for example, especially when it comes to let's say, psychological, even like, psych- you know, seeing a psychiatrist or psychologist is extremely difficult Mm-hmm. At the moment, because they're all booked out. Mm-hmm. And right now, there's a lot of again, I, I, you know I don't want to get into too much detail, but there's a lot of faultiness in the system, especially when it comes to insurance companies, et cetera, and just like trying to get people the help that they need. um it's it's making the you know it's making things more and more difficult. But by saying that, I'm not saying there's, you know, there's nothing one can do. There's so many things that my clients end up doing while they're on that waiting list to see a therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely believe that the mind pillar is something that is, I'm not going to, I don't want to say trending, but is something that we're addressing across the board, especially with all my gut health clients.
0: Well, I think it's really, really important. I mean, I was just talking to um, one of my clients yesterday and exactly that topic came up and I you know it was almost difficult for her to say it that she struggles with kind of the aftermath of lockdown and the fear of being isolated again and all of that i'm like you know it's so good you're addressing it it's so because it's it's so important that we're talking about it right it's sad that it's taken a pandemic to make yes. us
1: more vocal yes. but i'm all for you know vocalizing you know, we're all in the same boat at the end of the day. I mean, I spoke about my struggles and mm-hmm. with two burnouts, one at 25 and one in 2018. And I feel the more we speak about it, the more we realize we're not alone.
0: Yeah. And I think then, you know, the sleep comes in too. And it's so many, you know, you mentioned their pillars. And at the end, they're also like dominoes, right? If one thing is not like, I mean, like before we went on air, you know, and how, how I said, you know, I was just, sick and I'm not surprised I got sick because I was really tired and I felt my battery being low and then I got sick and then while I was sick I didn't sleep so well and I was just like I just need one good night's sleep you know (laughs) and then I got it and I noticed how my body's like oh yes okay and you know and then and then It's no wonder that if one thing is struggling, like if we have a hard time sleeping, of course, our digestive system is struggling too. Of course, our immune system is struggling, right? I mean, we're one unit. I feel it's really important to address,
1: you know, yes, every person has their specialty and it might be biased and say, you know, everything's central to gut health but i remember in in one of the 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 podcast episodes that i was recording with my dad who's a specialist and you know a medical specialist and a gastroenterologist and he just said we forget that we're one unit we're not separate systems at the end of the day everything functions uh in in synergy as as one and this is this you know this whole purpose of these four pillars is to to create some sort of unison, to create some sort of synergy. And I feel that just using these four can be also a good way of, of reflection. You know, this is one homework that I get my clients to do is like just every month reflect on which pillar need, you know, how every pillar's been doing, mm-hmm. and then reflect on what or which pillar needs the most work and just your investor energy there. And I'm with you. So I'm, you know, dead set knowing that when I get sick or my triggers for my poor immune system is sleep. When I sleep poorly, I am sick extremely often because your immune system needs to function with rest. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, if I don't sleep, I guarantee you that I will pick things up left, right, and center. Um, Stress is another thing as well. Stress um, increases, you know, lots of different hormones that impact our immune system. So your stress hormones, like say cortisol, for example, Mm -hmm. and also looking at what chronic stress does to our gut health. And we're slowly unraveling that, how it impacts, let's say, the the, the strength of your whole overall immune system. And as I said, immune system central is, is your gut health.
0: Yeah. And you also mentioned, um, you know, in terms of all the, the mind thing and how unfortunately needed a pandemic for it to be, be more vo- vocal. And, um, but I also do think that if we go a little bit more back again towards the gut health, I think there is also there, there is still a lot of shame around. Absolutely. Why? and i think then people are like oh i have this like symptoms is this normal and then like who do you act ask dr google right and then i'm sure you know by the time they asked dr google like 10 million questions they probably come to you <laughs> and um ideally of course they would come to you before they ask but look it's i, I mean it's get it's insecure impossible, about though, yeah. it too because there's also so many information out there and so my questions are it's a little bit different folded one is like well what um, kind of symptoms um, or conditions I'm gonna say people come to you with that you see mostly and and I mean that's a probably like a second question I also want to talk a little bit about the whole trends and um, you know, all of that, what's happening online,
1: right? But to kind of, okay, to give you an idea of the type of people that I get to see in my practice, and this Mm -hmm. is just purely based on, let's say, professional, you know, my own professional experience in my private practice here in Zurich, is the most common gut conditions we see are people with irritable bowel syndrome, and that's in German, Reisdarm syndrome. And food intolerance is another thing, uh, constipation, heartburn, and reflux. So this is just kind of summing it up nicely, but obviously there's so many other layers to it. So we get people... Uh, Refer to us with things like celiac disease, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, like I I mentioned earlier. But I would say, again, irritable bowel bowel syndrome tends to be one of the big ones that is extremely common. And April, we are in April, right? We're still in April. (laughs) (laughs) It is is IBS Awareness Month.
0: Um,
1: And there is a lot of taboo around that. And again, I, I think the reason why I wanted to mention IBS is because um it th- there there used to be or there still is a lot of taboo about IBS so I don't know how familiar you are with the IBS is it's basically a um, it used to be called a functional gut disorder and mm-hmm. what a functional gut disorder means it is a disorder condition of the gut brain axis mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. spoke about the gut and the brain being you know connected so this gut brain axis All it is, it's a bi-directional communication pathway between your gut and your brain where they're constantly chit-chatting away. In IBS, there's a glitch in this communication signaling and the symptoms are things like stomach pain, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, and a mix of both. Now, what ten, there's a specific criteria a diagnostic criteria to come to that conclusion um and we use the the Rome four diagnostic criteria now i cannot diagnose someone with ibs a gastroenterologist has to do that but the reason why i wanted to mention kind of the taboo this whole term functional gut disorders had a, a really bad um taste or name to it purely because People felt like it was less legitimate than an organic disease, meaning in IBS, anatomically, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Your doctor will do all the tests, they will do an endoscopy or gastroscopy, basically. That's when they put a camera down, and there's nothing wrong. But you're still experiencing very, very real symptoms. Mm-hmm. So People felt, um, stigmatized. I mean, including myself. So I was diagnosed with IBS when I was 25 and you know, the famous four words, it's all in your head will come up <laughs> yeah. and it's extremely frustrating. And I feel it, it minimizes the, the condition and the severity of the condition. So this is why it's kind of, I'm not going to say where my specialty lies in, but also IBS is something that I'm very, very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, there was a lot of still is a lot of stigma. Um, and this is where the mind pillar, you really, really have to address the mind pillar early on in the management of IBS. Um so these tend to be sort of the most common conditions that I that I
0: see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really nice to hear how um how can I say it, you know, like the the being taken serious as a client. And I think you know i'm in the somatic experiencing training right now and with trauma and all of that and i think what's so valuable and so powerful is that the story or the symptoms or whatever it is as small as it is it's being validated and it's being exactly taken, it's being taken so serious because then the system can relax, right? Like, yeah. like right. Oh, I'm not crazy. Right.
1: No. And, and this is actually one of the biggest things that my clients come, come to me with, they will walk into my practice, especially people with IBS. Um, They probably would have seen about 20 specialists, yeah. 20 doctors. They've shopped around, as they say, they will come to me about 15 years worth of information and tests and so on. And all they want is to be heard, to be seen, and for someone to, to, you know, just to tell, I see you, I hear you. Now, unfortunately, the medical system, again, not, I don't want to demonize the medical system because I am part of that medical system. Um, there are, it, you know, it has its own faults, but it doesn't mean that the good specialists aren't out there. And that was my role. So actually, all the doctors and medical doctors that I worked with, I've actually handpicked them because I have my own personal experience with them. But they listen, there's an element of empathy, especially when working with that subgroup of of clients, basically, who have struggled so much, where their quality of life is impacted. And I can speak for myself for a whole year, I, you know, my social life got impacted, I I was just, I'm not going to say depressed, but I was, struggling. I was really really struggling with social anxiety. Um and it's it's just not an easy journey to be on. And the last thing that you need is someone to I'm not going to say gaslight you, but to not validate what you're going through. And it's still happening. And this is something that I'm trying to educate, let's say, the medical community um to to listen. And you know, empathy goes a, a little bit of empathy goes a very very long way. And yeah. I'm very grateful to know a lot of doctors that are you know there for that
0: yeah and I think then it becomes really powerful what you're doing now with your dad I think that's so like yeah. you know <laughs> started that podcast and I tell us a little bit more about that because I think that's really really cool because well first of all it's cool to do something with your dad <laughs> um, but I also think it's really nice to have that co-creation and you know not you know working with each other as you know we're all part of like the system in a way right and the support network of clients and and um it's almost like little puzzle pieces right that can then come together and um yeah I think I'm sure you and your dad have um the conversations also because he sees and knows certain things and you see certain things that then you can kind of also makes sense for, again, the client, right?
1: But this is how the system, wor- I mean, should sure, I'm going to say should work, but this yeah. is, let's say, what I was used to. I mean, I, working in Australia, that's way over a decade ago now, but being a, a clinical dietitian, even in a medical setting, in a hospital, you are part of a team. So you're, you've got the doctors, you've got the psychologist, you've got the pharmacist, you've got the dietitian, occupational therapy, like we're all working together mm-hmm. um i know here cuz you know we are based in switzerland it is a little different purely because this whole field of nutrition and dietetics is is very very new mm-hmm. and um unlike other places, let's say you can specialize. So I've specialized in gut health. A lot of my training was around that, all the clients that I see are around that. So there's a lot of, you know, formal education that goes into an experience as well. So I think my dad and I actually worked at some point together when I was back in Dubai, we worked in the same clinic. And it's just, you know, your patients feel really well looked after because everyone is on the same page. And this is what I try to create here as well. So with all the doctors that we work with, let's say the gastroenterologist that I work with, there's communication back and forth. There's something not working. I'm the middleman, as much as you know, I, I don't want to call myself that, but I'm let's say the care manager or the case manager. That sort of, yes, I deal with all the nutrition side of things, but I create that that unison or that communication between the therapist, the specialist, you know, my client, and myself. And at the end of the day, we all have one end goal: is our patient's well being or our client's mm-hmm. well
0: being exactly yeah so it needs to work this way Mm -hmm. yeah and now going into a little bit of you know what i touched on before you know people are asking dr google and you know there is so much out there which i think in one way it's really good because it also can take a little bit away of the shame because people are sharing what there is and people notice that oh i'm not alone but i think there's a fine line of misinformation or Absolutely. misinformation. um so maybe you have some insights on that as well as maybe something that you're really excited about what you see coming in terms of gut health and because there's so much happening i mean like in the last 10 years so much happened in that field right i'm sure you see also. Oh, little bit more into the future as for example me or you know our listeners um what is kind of on the horizon that's coming up in that field so
1: if we want to talk about misinformation and pseudoscience do you know what i feel like it's not just google but i really do feel like social media is a rabbit hole of misinformation Um, especially when it comes to gut health. I mean, everyone and their mother is an expert at the moment, whether it's nutrition, whether it's gut health, but you do see that trending and hip and happening because this is where all the money is. And this is where all, let's say, the future lies. But it can be very, very dangerous. And I actually like to use uh, an example Mm -hmm. um, of a very hip and happening trend and how that can backfire. And that's celery juice. I'm sure you I'm sure sh- I'm sure you've heard of you know people juicing and and especially when it came to celery juice and where that originated from mm-hmm. um not to mention specific accounts or names again, you know there's um uh that particular individual who's made millions um because of that specific trend and now you know I, again I'm I'm actually blocked off their platforms because again I always like to create dialogue and it's not about showing me the evidence or proof but just having a back and forth conversation um so here's the thing so I'll give you uh to maybe one story Mm -hmm. about celery juice um as I mentioned earlier you know our, our whole digestive system works in synchrony and that's the same thing with food we cannot pinpoint to one specific food that's going to be a miracle food. And this is why I absolutely hate the term superfoods. Um, Food works in synergy. Um, Celery juice has been put on this pedestal like uh, a cure-all sort of concoction, which is really, really not the case. Yes, it is absolutely hydrating. It does have, you know, different minerals and vitamins, but there is absolutely no way that I would ask people to ditch medication and substitute that with, such a juice so one day I am in my practice and I was um talking to someone so one of my clients and she was just asking for a friend that she read that you know the 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 person's book and how celery juice is extremely important and her friend was um currently undergoing chemotherapy so she was a cancer patient um and what she did is she decided to stop her treatment and just go on the juice cleanse and start, you know, juicing celery and drinking celery juice um, for weeks. And basically she was telling her friend who was my client that I think it's working because my poo is black and there's just so much stuff that I'm, you know, probably getting rid of all these toxins. And I remember telling her, I was like, if your friend is pooping, you know, if her poo is black, that is a sign of internal bleeding. So she will need to actually go straight to her doctor in emergency um, to, to see what's going on. And lo and behold, she was actually, uh, she had internal bleeding and basically the cancer was metastasized. So that means it's spread to different parts. Um, and this is actually not an uncommon story. I think the issue that I have with these trends and and the dangers of them is they do take advantage of the two I believe are the most vulnerable subgroups of people, where many may think medicine has failed them, right? And they're people with cancer, so oncology patients, and people with autoimmune diseases. Purely because we don't, we're not there yet. We don't know. There's a lot of things that we don't know. But then you have all these people that will come out of nowhere and say, we have the answers. We can treat you. Well and behold. And I think this is where I, you know, people might, and I'm as I said, I've spoken about this out loud. So I'm not surprised if people are going to come back with arrows and daggers and go, <laughs> how are you saying that as a dietitian?" But I believe with these two subgroups of people, I cannot use the word food as medicine because food is not medicine in that case, because it can truly kill them if we go. It is a very... Uh, overly simplistic message. Yeah. So even when it comes to gut health, even when it comes to looking after your gut, there's absolutely no promises there. I cannot tell, you know, medicine has its role. Nutrition has its role at the end of the day. And it's a nice synchrony of both. The mm-hmm. problem that we're seeing nowadays that we're going to two extremes. Mm-hmm. We're either over-medicating or we're ditching that completely and going to the other end of the spectrum. And I feel like it's really important to create a nice balance between the two, even when it comes to gut health. So there's so many things that I use you know, mushrooms, I've mentioned one. Mushrooms yes. have been used for, for centuries as, again, I don't want to call them superfood, but they are amazing in terms of what they do a for our system as a whole, whether it's been used, you know, for centuries with Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. But what we're uncovering now, again, you know, the science yes is catching up with all these, you know, ancient um, practices is that, for example, mushrooms have these compounds called beta-glucans. These are type of fibers that we know nourish our inner ecosystem. So these are the microbes that live within our digestive tract. And basically, when our gut bugs start to digest these compounds, um, they start to produce these byproducts of fermentation. We call them short-chain fatty acids. You don't need to know the big name. But these byproducts of fermentation, and this is where I believe the future is gonna lie, we're starting to see the power of these, let's say components of digestion or components of our gut microbes fermenting them. So when let's say our gut microbes are exposed to these byproducts of fermentation, they strengthen them, they strengthen let's say their activity, they help them become better, You know, I call them guardians of our inner galaxy, they strengthen the lining of our intestines in turn, strengthening our immune system. So this is why I would say, you know, mushrooms are an absolute staple in my diet. And yes, actually quite a lot of people have issues with mushrooms. Mm. So I know you, you mentioned something about you weren't either allergic to them or you were intolerant to them. I'm not quite sure.
0: Yeah, I, I, I was long, long time ago. But I think since then, I just... Sometimes I forget about mushrooms or I feel like I have like a little bit of a weird relationship with them. But... Yeah. I do also think that um and what you're saying is so fascinating and I think it's also um really interesting if we look at nature and what mushrooms how they're such an integral part of communicating also amongst trees and animals and and with you know the whole flora and fauna and it's like we have no idea, but it's like so super fascinating, right? So completely undervalued in a way. Exactly, and I feel, I feel I'm going like to go and one. buy
1: some mushrooms. <laughs> Good in all forms. No, but as I said, mushrooms are one thing that I actually train a lot of my clients to to um, to to include more of on a day-to-day basis. Just like you know, onions and garlic can be a staple of many people's diets, especially in you know cooking. But I always say, just add some mushrooms there every single day. And, uh, you know, watch your gut
0: get a little bit better. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, super interesting. Also, we did touch on the immune system, and I want to go into it a little bit more because I do think it's important. And, um, again, we talked very briefly about it before we went on um, on air um, because also a little bit of the aftermath of lockdown and of not being as exposed um, and, you know, like you said, you know, the microbiome and immune system is so um, crucial and important and going um, side by side. Um, What can we do to, you know, I guess lockdown is over, (laughs) hopefully forever, (laughs) Um, but of course we need to you know, strengthen that or or you know, however you want to say it or support, right? I was gonna say
1: don't use the word boost your immune system because yeah. you do not want to boost your yeah. immune system. That's a bad thing.
0: Yeah. I mean mushroom being one thing.
1: Mushroom will be one thing. Look, I, I think to maybe just go a little bit back to basics is just helping people understand why. Why do we talk about immune system, especially when it comes to gut health? And mm-hmm. this comes down to something called GALT or GALT. Mm-hmm. And what this what that stands for, it's called gut associated lymphoid tissue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it is located in our digestive tract. And yes. basically, this is why we consider 70% of our immune system to be like located in our gut. Um what this is responsible for basically just helps your let's say inner ecosystem or your cells identify who's friend and who's foe and it regulates things like your immune responsive and allergic reactions Mm -hmm. so then if you have to look at let's say or what are the most important things that we need to know when it comes to the immune system and gut health So one point that I always say, like I was going to say, I list them as observations and even talk about these in the book. But one is that our immune system is actually regulated by our bacteria from birth. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is achieving a healthy, let's say bacterial balance in our gut is essential for a well-functioning immune system. And this is maybe where we talk about this whole term of like an imbalanced gut microbiome or as we call it, let's say dysbiosis. So basically this is, where we say, okay, maybe you might have more harmful than beneficial bacteria. And what we're seeing is that having an imbalance or dysbiotic microbiome can cause disease, things like autoimmune conditions, for example, or inflammatory conditions. So there are certain things within our control to help support our immune system. And Maybe this is a different way of, you know, of, of looking at it. You know, a lot of people would say, yes, load up on the vitamin C. Let's get some zinc in. Here we are, in div- you know, picking out individual nutrients left, right, and center. But I would say, again, start by looking after your gut. Apart from mushrooms, we talk about fiber a lot. So fiber is the backbone of all plant foods. And basically what fiber does, fiber remains you know when we consume it it remains relatively unchanged or undigested or resists digestion up until it reaches our large intestine and it feeds our inner microbes and this is remember how we spoke about these byproducts of fermentation so this is why it's important to have all these different fibers coming in so that our gut microbes start producing all these different byproducts of fermentation that are extremely important for a strengthening your immune system Um, that's one way to look at it So apart from, you know, mushrooms and fiber, I always talk about diversity. So plants, making sure you consume, um, I would say, you know, 30 plant ingredients per week. So 30. So the magic number is 30. So people are saying, hold on, where does this 30 come from? Mm -hmm. There was actually a study called the American Gut Project. And basically what they discovered is that people who consumed 30 or more plant foods per week had a more diverse inner ecosystem or a more diverse microbiome. So I want you to think of diversity as, you know, a, a rain, think of your inner ecosystem like a rainforest. What we want is we want to have different species thriving in different differing amounts because they all have very important roles. Mm-hmm. So those who ate 30 or more had a more diverse microbiome than those who ate uh, 10 or few plant foods per week. And the reason why I'm focusing so much on diversity, because what we're starting to see in terms of the science is, if I ask you, what does, you know, what do allergies, autoimmune diseases, irritable bowel syndrome, depression, anxiety, what do all of these have in common is poor microbial diversity. So we're starting to see that. People with these conditions don't have this thriving rainforest at that, that inner garden. So this is where we want to say, right, the shift should be in terms of, you know, getting that diversity going. So 30 plant foods per week is, is uh, you know, mushrooms will we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. Um, we'll add as part of your your 30. And one way to look at it is, you know, think in terms of groups. So rather than thinking from, you know, have your five a day thinking, we're thinking, right, how do we get those 30 plants per week? Think of how many vegetables you've consumed. Think of how many fruits you've consumed that week. Um, Legumes. So these are your beans, lentils, and chickpeas and and soy products. Think about your nuts and seeds, your whole grains and cereals. And also don't forget your herbs and spices. Mm -hmm. So I do get my clients to do a little bit of an exercise to get their baseline score. And based on that, we start to work towards that score of 30. And you do start noticing a shift in their gut health too. So this is where I would say, Gut health is all about inclusion and not exclusion. And unfortunately, a lot of the media and social media and, you know, all that pseudoscience that's going out there, when it comes to, I need to look after my gut, it, it's all about what should you be eliminating or cutting
0: out to feel better? mm mm-hmm. So is it, like, for example, and I'm not sure if that's true, but I think I read somewhere, like, for example, if I, let's say, I use... Let's say tomato. I use, I eat a piece of raw tomato, and then I also use um, some cooked tomato. Does that is that one or is that two? Because I know that's one. Simple, that's one. So okay. you go. So it doesn't matter how. So if you want to
1: look at your score, it doesn't matter how many times you consume it. It's yeah. it still scores at one. So this yeah. is why I would say you know if you're if you want to consume nuts and seeds, get a nut and seed mix that you can find that that exposes you to three or four different nuts. If you just chuck it on into a salad, Um, you can get these two or three bean mixes as well that you can add into a stew. So that kind of, that would be one step, you know, one way to look at it Mm -hmm. is just to, and even just frozen vegetables, right? I mean, people demonize frozen produce so much, but actually I think they're a fantastic addition in addition to, to, to one's kitchen. And it makes your life so much easier because in like, one pack you have like three to five different veg.
0: I always have frozen peas and frozen spinach in my... <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, I,
1: I, I like to get these different mixes. So I think there's like this ratatouille mix that I use that has like five different types of vegetables. They're, you know, don't shy away from them. They can actually boost your diversity.
0: Yeah. Cool. Really cool. Thank you. That's, that's such a good practical tip. Wow hmm time (laughs) i know we can actually
1: talk for like two three hours about this
0: so um besides your book and besides the podcast with your dad what are you really excited about and spring is coming and summer is really close
1: (laughs) look honestly I'm not there's nothing new that I'm excited about I think I was really reflecting you know coming out with this podcast felt like it came full circle um because I've got the book I actually have a tea blend as well that I launched last year
0: um
1: and again, it was purely for marketing purposes. Like I just wanted to create brand exposure, but it sold out because I knew it worked. So it's yeah. basically a tea blend for turbulent tummies. And it's again, and, and for bloating or people who struggle. Yeah, but but the thing is, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm I'm at a place where I feel like I've come full circle. And it's just a matter of um, helping each of these elements that I've launched or I worked so hard towards to just move them forward um so there's like i'm not doing anything new (laughs) i'm just you know i think i'm looking forward to a little bit of stability this is one thing you know and and again just like you mentioned after this whole turbulent time during a pandemic i just want uneventful boring you know i don't want to live through any historical changes anymore i just want mundane and i know a lot of people agree with that Mm
0: Well, I think it's our nervous system
1: also asking for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I, I feel, yeah, as I said, I, I just don't want to live through any historical moments anymore. I think we've been kind of thrown into it and we just found it very difficult to process. And as actually, you know, as, as humans, we're not programmed to process all the information that we're being exposed to. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's... um.
0: Yeah, as I said, I think I've
1: learned the hard way, but I think I I'm, I'm, I would say I feel the most balanced I've ever been. Um, and this is something that I really help my clients work towards, you know, it's, it's about redefining what balance means to you because it's, it's never static. It's going to keep shifting, but you just need to, as I said, figure out your template and keep re- redefining what it means to you depending on where you are in
0: your life. Thank you so much. I think that's a really good note to end. And of course, we're going to link the book, the tea, the podcast, <laughs> everything else. And um super excited. And thank you so much for sharing all that you shared. We could go on for another hour, but maybe another time.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for having me. And yes, if anyone has any questions, you know, I don't bite. So please do feel free to reach out.
0: Okay, so I'm going out and gonna get some mushrooms. (laughs) I love that. And what a simple way and I love how just approachable Sandra made um, just the start of yeah, getting mushrooms, right? And those 30 different plant foods, right? How approachable and doable that feels you find all the links we mentioned in the show notes from her upcoming book um, all her online courses as well her offerings of course she has in zurich um, as well as the team <laughs> and the podcast so check it out and also hop over to apple podcast and spotify and hit those magic stars leave a review that really helps this podcast and my guests to be find and be heard and for this life creation message to get out there